going on Well, they here? compare scars. Yeah, though. they compare scars. It's so funny. She says, do you still have yours? Nancy, it's a scar! <laughs> <laughs> but how, how would he have gotten rid of it? Hello, and welcome to our Stranger Things podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode is about what your favorite kind of flower is. I don't think we've done this one before on any of our podcasts, but... No. And we picked it because... Steve brings flowers exactly. um, to Nancy, even though she is not there to receive them. <laughs> I would say that my favorite flowers are lilacs. That's a good choice. Lilacs are in my grandma's backyard. Oh, that's cute. So I would say that probably, like, to look at, I think roses, but not like red roses, like purple roses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, colors. smell wise. Lilacs bring me right back, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go with lilacs. That's taste. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. It's super post-apocalyptic right now. Uh, I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And my favorite flower is a hibiscus, because it reminds me of Hawaii. Pretty. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 27-year-old marketing coordinator and television critic. I am a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. Uh, my favorite flower is a lily, uh, and I just think they're pretty. Huh. You have so much in common with my sister. That is also her favorite flower. Today we have words to say about episode 205 of Stranger Things. Dig Dug. This episode will contain spoilers for the entirety of seasons 1, 2, and 3 of Stranger Things. So for the title, it was a game from the 1980s, and um, the Duffer Brothers have said that they don't they don't actually like Dig Dug, like they don't like playing Dig Dug, but it's just like literally so perfect as like a metaphor for the season and for the episode that they were like, this has got to be it. Yeah, you know? I have to like search what game Dig Dug is now. Oh yeah, Dig I Dug is Dig so Dug. fun. Yeah, I Dig love Dig Dug. Have you played it? Yes. Oh, no. you're talking to Robin. I had never heard of it. It's until. like the yeah, like they have a clip of them playing it yeah. in the in the show, but I had never even heard of it until we. Uh, my parents loved uh, Pac Man and Galaga, and then when we were like teenage years, uh, those like Atari joysticks that you could just plug into your TV got really popular. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, we got one of those, and it had Dig Dug and like one where you like jungle swang over like Pitfall. I think it was called Pitfall. And like Pong and Pac-Man and Galaga and like all of them. It was great. See, I wasn't allowed to play any of those games. My mom wouldn't let us play video games when we were kids because she thought we would get addicted to them. She didn't see the internet coming. The only like arcade that I ever really went to was like one of the ones that like had more like physical games like skee-ball and stuff in yeah, it yeah, and like yeah, a yeah. basketball one. So I never really ever got to play those games other than I, I'm pretty sure I've told this story on the podcast, but one of my friends in middle school had a Pac-Man game. Like, the, the actual, like, big Pac-Man thing in her basement. And so, like, that's the only one that I ever, like, actually played, like, on an actual, like, arcade system. And now it's, now we have, like, some of, like, the most, like, sophisticated video games in the world. And I'm like, I still like Pac-Man. I'm just yeah. like, well, a good thing all of these are iPhone apps now. <laughs> but apparently if you play games on iPhones, you're not a real gamer. And I'm like, I was never trying to be a real gamer. I'm just out to play games. Brittany's like, I'm just trying to play Property Brothers. I am. It's a match <laughs> game and I'm playing it right now. Hey. Me open Star Trek. 
That how I feel Open, like that opens the Star Trek game. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that has more clout than Property Brothers. But I get to decorate houses when I get, when I match enough gems. I I respect everyone that can play those matchy gem games, but I get they're not for me. Yeah, I get really um frustrated by them. Yeah. See, I have I ADHD, well. so like if I have something to focus on, my brain will actually order itself. Well, if I have to do it, redo the level like literally more than once, I'll stop playing the game altogether. Interesting. Like I'll play if like like once the levels get different, but once I have to do the same level over and over again, I'm giving up. I don't want to do it anymore. Literally doing that right now. Yeah. I don't want to do it anymore. Well, I learned something today. There's somewhere in that like category of like too simple but like also confusing to me that doesn't work for my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I played Candy Crush for like a while there. I liked Candy Crush, but I got bored of it. Yeah, my life got better once I stopped playing Candy Crush, I gotta say. (laughs) Well, because it was, I would have dreams about Candy Crush. Like, I would be matching Candy Crush in my dreams, and I was like, you know what? I don't think this is good. I'm gonna stop. That happened to me when I used to play Harvest Moon every single day in third grade. That's so cute. (laughs) Like, I I viscerally remember, like, walking to the crosswalk to walk back to school, because I went to, my grandma lived right across the street from my elementary school, so I just went home for lunch every single day. Yeah, same. And so I remember, like, walking back across the crosswalk to get back to my school and like like genuinely like seeing some sort of vision that reminded me of like harvest moon or something or like (laughs) like i started hearing the music like while i was walking or like the crosswalk became like the little like stone steps in in the thing or whatever and i was like "Mm." like as a third grader (laughs) like as an eight-year-old being like we should take a break. Like, as a third <laughs> grader being like, we shouldn't insane. do this anymore. <laughs> the amount of self-control that third grader has. Yeah. She was like, uh, maybe we'll just play it after school instead of during lunch also. Right. That's so you know? cute. <laughs> okay, so we have four storylines going for us today. The Eleven storyline, the Jonathan and Nancy storyline, the kids storyline, oh, so Justin and Lucas and Max, and then the Jopper will... Uh, Mike storyline. So we are going to be starting with Eleven. Oh, okay. Because it's the shortest? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually only like three scenes. Yeah, it's really... I mean, the, some of the scenes are long. They're long, but, but like, it's like... Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. So here's my summary. It's very short. Okay. So Eleven hitches a ride to her mom's house, but her Aunt Becky is so not into letting her come inside. There's just something about Aunt Becky's. Anyway, <laughs> Eleven Heike forces her way inside with her mind powers, and Becky realizes that she's super special. She shows Eleven around the house and shows her her old room that her mother kept for her. However, all Elle wants to do is talk to her mom, who literally can't talk. Or can she? The lights in the house flicker, and Elle realizes that her mom is trying to talk to her. She uses her powers to contact her and ends up in her mother's memories. She sees her mom giving birth to her, then killing guards at Hawkins Lab to try to get Eleven, who she calls Jane. They pull her away and basically torture her into becoming a walking coma patient, which is great. Eleven rips herself out of the memories and is horrified at what her mother has endured. Yeah. Like, that's basically it. Like, there's a lot to talk about in terms of, like, especially, like, the trauma of moms, Mm -hmm. but that's it. Okay. Yeah. So my first note on here was just the fact that Eleven hitchhikes with this random man, and this could definitely could have ended differently. Oh, yeah. I mean, no one, like, Hopper literally was like, don't be stupid, but he gave her very specific rules on not to be stupid, but didn't give her the specific rule of don't get in cars with strange men. And she would not know not to do that. Yeah. Well, like, she didn't have that rule because, like, her rules would have kept her from being near cars. Yeah. So it's just a a pitfall that he mm-hmm. didn't uh, plan for. Yeah. But also, like, she can 100% take any dude who tries to hurt her. I mean, true. She could literally just break his neck with her mind. Yeah. That's true. But Thank then, goodness. Yeah. But we can't all do that. Yeah. So anyway, don't 
don't don't do that, everyone. I liked how uh, they have this really small detail in which Eleven used to say things like like if she was to say five fifteen, she would say five one five. And they have this really small detail in the scene in which um, he says the uh, the number of the house that he she's going to, and he yep. says five one five, and she says yeah five fifteen. Mm-hmm. So it's like this really interesting um, little like, switch. That, yeah, it's like a twist. Yeah, and they're basically I think that they're using that as a really small indicator that she's like growing up, and this is like a going to be a turn for her. Yeah, yeah. Um, he tells her to apologize to her mom because she's been gone for a really long time. <laughs> and, like, I know, okay. I know how long she's been. So, so like, at the moment, it's kind of funny when she just goes, yeah, a uh, long time. And you're like, yeah, I mean, yeah, hasn't it? You're like... <laughs> Also, it's not your business. So Becky won't let her in. And last night when we were rewatching the episode, Sam um, said that Becky is a lesbian. And I would like you to speak a little bit. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, I made this decision because she has an unfathomable amount of chopped wood on her porch. Mm. And I just like to imagine that no one did that for her. She did it herself, yeah. which implies uh, lesbianism. Okay. okay. She's also wearing a plaid adjacent shirt. Yeah. That'll so. do it. Uh-huh. No, I'm with you. Thanks. Yes. And she, like, won't let her in, even though she's in the middle of nowhere. And, like, even if she isn't Jane, she is just a kid. So, like, maybe let her in and tell her, like, and try and help her find her actual mom or whatever. She right. said she didn't want any Girl Scout cookies. I mean, that's true, which I don't relate to, because... Yes, right? <laughs> right. If to my house and said, hey, do you want Girl Scout cookies? I'd be like, yeah! Absolutely. Yeah, come on in. <laughs> so, they go into Terry's room, and she's watching Family Feud, which really brings me back if I can talk about my grandma again my grandma was always <laughs> always had the game show network on and mm-hmm. so like hearing like the ding that happens when somebody like gets an answer on the board or whatever is like really like whoa <laughs> visceral yeah I'm like I should probably be guessing you know like I'm like I'm not paying attention I'm not even guessing oh my god <laughs> Um, let me know if you guys remember this, but how did she find this address? Was it in the newspaper or the files that she found? Like, how did how did she know what no, the address, address was? I'm not sure, but she definitely found her mom's name. Yes. So she probably looked it up in the yellow pages. Okay. The yellow pages. Remember those? Yeah. So Terry sees her even though she doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and Becky is really looking for answers here. And she asks if Hopper and Joyce ended up finding Eleven because obviously they showed up last season. And... And we're looking for her. Yeah. But Eleven's not answering any of her questions. Like, I know Eleven doesn't have any manners at all. Like, she's no. so genuinely, like, if I was Becky, I, the fact that she was like, hey, if you want to stay here, you can. I'd be like, your manners are garbage and I don't want to spend time with you. <laughs> <laughs> like, later when she's like, can you please tell my sister that I love her and that I've been taking care of her and that I'll always care for her and she's the most important person to me in the whole world. Eleven just goes, shut up. Yeah. I'm like, no, you shut up. <laughs> she's out here living her life. I, if if something bad happened to one of my family members and I had to take care of them, like that's like that's just not something that I'm like ready to do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it takes a very very special kind of person to totally just step up like that mm-hmm. and and do that and become like a an actual like a legal yeah. like caregiver. caretaker for for somebody. Yeah. And like, I have a very special place in my heart for Becky. I think she's a very, very special person. And Eleven treats her like crap this episode. (laughs) And I know that Eleven, first of all, doesn't have any manners and doesn't know how to talk to people, but it still makes me sad. And And she's been through trauma. And she's still, and she's still totally polite back to Eleven, even though she's being mean. Like in Eleven's defense, she is, was kidnapped at birth. Yeah. And then manipulated and tortured most of her young life. And then, not really like Hopper 
is doing the best he can, but that's not the best. Uh, I think parenting. it's like a sign of like how how we really like can see different perspectives where we have a lot of empathy for Becky and we understand Eleven, right? Yeah. 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 It's like, yeah, you look at it from both perspectives. Like, it's hard for me to see both perspectives at the same time, but when you look at one and then the other, then you can see them, you know? Oh, for sure. Exactly. So, yeah, Eleven's not answering any of her questions, and she says that Terry's not going to be getting better, um, and she's kind of, like, stuck in a dream, but Terry always believed that Eleven would come home, and she did. She did. She She did did it. And they also left her nursery as she left it. Yeah, that was, like, a little time capsule. That's major. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, what? 11 <laughs> 12 I don't know how yeah at how this point I think they were supposed to be around like I think they were supposed to be like 10 at 10 or 11 in the first season in, yeah so she's probably I don't know how old kids 12-ish. are well no 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 they've got to be at least because they're in middle school in the first season right and it does look like they've at least been there a year so already so they're probably so got to be at least 12 yeah 12 in the first season 13 in the in the this season and then like 13 14 in the final in not in the final season in the the last season season that we've seen that makes sense okay from imdb uh there's a drawing of the white rabbit from alice's adventures in wonderland on the wall in jane's bedroom alice also traveled to an alternate reality like the upside down Ooh, i like that nice there you go so becky says that 11 can stay with her if she wants um i feel really bad for becky because she like even though 11 treats her badly she literally has no one to talk to and has so much empathy yeah and it's, it kind of reminds me of Eleven, who was always, like, isolated. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, they kind of have a lot in common. And, you know, we want Eleven to leave because we want her to be with our heroes and everything. But I'm also like, does anyone ever go back and check on Becky? Check on Becky? Is she still alone? You know, she needs to find a nice woman <laughs> to settle down with and they can both take care of, care of Terry together. Yeah. So Eleven says that she will stay with her and will eventually tell her everything, but she doesn't, of course. Um, Then we get the light flickering, and she talks about how that happens a lot. And it's actually been Terry the entire time trying to talk to Becky. That makes me so sad. Because, like, she's trying, but, like, Becky doesn't have those that skill set. And that's the only way that she knows how or the only even though she knows that becky will never realize that it's her yeah she still tries it's like very much joyce and will you know Mm. oh yeah so then um they go into terry's room and she has a bloody nose so we definitely know that's what's happening um becky cuts her a blindfold and she says that she really wants terry to know that she loves her and yeah it just makes me really sad that eleven tells her to shut up like she doesn't even well she doesn't say shut up technically but like she says stop talking and oh yeah it's rude but it is very rude and it just makes me really sad because like becky has been taking care of terry at least since like jane was like when we saw it in the flashback she was like what she was probably i don't know how old kids are either way i would say that between three and five she's been taking care of terry for around 10 years probably yeah and she's probably been like keeping a list in her mind of all the things that she would say to terry if she ever got the chance to talk to her again even though it does seem like terry is listening you know yeah like she can like receive information but she can't like acknowledge that she got it so you know she probably knows all the things that becky wants to wants to say and she probably hears becky when she says can you please tell terry this yeah but all she's looking for is like an acknowledgement that she heard her you know what i mean and 11 11 could give that to her but she doesn't even give her the time of day to like talk about it yeah i I think it's definitely like they're all victims of hawkins lab and it's Mm -hmm. like Yep. So Eleven's powers, she usually has to visit people in the inside out to see where they are. Mm-hmm. 
But in this instance, she's right beside her, but she's still, she's trying to get into her mind. Yeah. So it's interesting that she can, she like meets her halfway. It's like a different use of that power because it's the only place that Terry can go. Yeah. So she sees when she was pregnant and she sees where all of the words that she, she repeats is coming from. Right. Which is kind of a really cool reveal. I don't remember if she was saying these specific words last season when they came to visit her, but if she was, then that's like a really cool like thing that they finally revealed. But I don't, I don't know. I don't if know she if was. she talks like at yeah. all. No, in the first season, but yeah, it would be neat if that like was a thorough mm-hmm. line through. Yeah, um, we see Brenner, and she's told that her baby was stillborn, and she's like sure that she heard her crying. But of course, Becky, who isn't, who doesn't subscribe to all of her like conspiracy theories and stuff. Mm-hmm. She says that, you know, that must have been wishful thinking or she just like believes the doctors, you know, because what else can you do? Right. And she and has like, no reason to think that the doctors would lie. Yeah. Right. And Becky wouldn't have been, probably wouldn't have been allowed in the room, I guess. Yeah. And she's, all she's doing is trying to comfort her through this tragedy that just happened to her. Exactly. And, uh, and she won't accept it because she knows what the truth is. Right. Um, Which is, like, fair for both of them. Yeah. So she goes to the lab and she shoots somebody. Um, Okay, here's a a thing that we had mentioned last night when we were talking about the lab. We saw in the flashback there was a bunch of people there who just seemed like normal people. Yeah. So when we watched it last night, it looks... I want to say the lab is initially a front for something. Like, doesn't it say something else on the outside like it's like a radio lab or yeah something i thought it was like a front for a hospital or something i didn't think it was a hospital but i get where you're going with that because like, the building look like looks it? like yeah. a hospital yeah but i thought it was like a technologies like radio waves something like there's a front and then there's what they really do which is torturing children right. into having superpowers to spy on the Russians. And, like, MK Ultra stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So she sees baby Jane and Callie, um, and it seems like Callie is, I mean, not just seems like, it. Callie is obviously a few years older than her, mm-hmm. and this is also a few years later because Jane is significantly older than a newborn. Correct. So I guess she's been... She's been looking all that time. She's been looking all that time or, like, formulating a plan or, like, waiting for the perfect moment or something. Like, it's mm-hmm. been years. Um. So, yeah, they electrocute her, which made her the way that she is. And Becky just, like, comforts Eleven as she cries because, obviously, what a huge trauma for Eleven to have seen yeah. all of that at once. And that's why I kind of wish, like, they'd kept this up through the next season because, like, they do this and then, like, the storyline kind of like, disappears. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Eleven has a mom somewhere out there. Yeah. I wonder if they'll, like, if she and Joyce will, like, ever go back there again, like, now that she's with Joyce. Mm -hmm. Because, like, Hopper was too scared to, like, let her exist as a child. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the only reason she got to do half the things that she got to do is because of Joyce's influence, I think. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, So maybe, maybe we'll get to explore some more, like, actual living for Eleven, not just making out with Mike Mm -hmm. uh, in season four. That would be nice. I, season four, just give me Joyce and Eleven being a, like a dream team to go save Hopper. That's all I want. Yeah. That's all I want. That's all I had for Eleven. It's uh, quite a short storyline. Yeah, there's not much there. We were kind of, it's it's interesting to me because Eleven doesn't come back until the end of episode eight. We talked about this last night when oh, we were yeah, watching yeah. the episode, mm-hmm. but it's like she leaves Becky's at the beginning of next episode and unless we see that at the beginning of episode seven I'm not sure but like episode seven happens throughout episode six and episode eight because she comes back at the end of eight yeah Mm -hmm. and I just wish that everything that happened in season or in episode seven had just like been peppered throughout 
Yeah. Like, the other like two episodes. And diced. And that would have made, that still would have made three episodes, you know? Yeah, like, it still could have been, like, the third storyline or yeah. whatever in those two. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, obviously this is the shortest storyline this episode, and it doesn't have, like, it only has one character that I really am invested in, and I just think it's, like, the weakest storyline of the three of the three yeah i think i think you're right i never minded the episode like that's like the next episode i think uh no it's the next it's the one after. next next, next episode next. but i did think it was jarring to put it where it was in the season where you're like getting so close to getting all the answers and then they just stop everything yeah and i was just like okay it, yeah it really breaks the momentum which is like there's something to be said for that but it's also like it's disconcerting when you're watching it as a as a binge watch because mm-hmm. it's like because yeah. it's a binge watch it makes you feel like you wasted your time a little i mean i've said it before on this podcast but like i watched all of season two in one day yeah and so like this happens and at the end of next episode literally the demodogs are about to like attack all the people that we care about hopper's literally standing right there mike is yelling it's a trap it's a trap will is yelling i'm so sorry i'm sorry and they cut to a whole entire 45 minutes yep. about what like i Every time I rewatch season two, I just skip that one because, like, I know what happened in it, and and nothing, and like nothing, really, like, like I didn't lose anything. Yeah, like, like you don't lose anything by skipping it. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it does does a good job for like world building and like expanding the like universe outside of Hawkins. Yeah, but yet for when you said that it could have been like split into two as like a subplot for the other episodes, I think you're absolutely right because. It just makes more sense to me now that way. Listen, okay, concept. All right, I'm ready. Concept. I'm ready. We do episodes. So this is episode five that we're talking about right now. Then we have episode six, which is my like. This episode is Sam's favorite episode, but episode six is my favorite episode. So this is exciting. I like six through yeah nine. So then we do episode eight. Then you put episode seven in. So you get episode eight ends with Eleven walking in in this like goth ass freaking hair slicked back stuff and then we get episode seven where's how that happened oh my god that would have been so much better and we're not stuck at a cliffhanger that would have been so much better like consider that maybe that i don't know i definitely would have felt less it would have set up a mystery that Mm -hmm. the episode would then solve and you're like oh great okay i have the answer to this question let's move on to the next one Mm -hmm. interesting because then, like, everybody's in the buyer's house, everyone's in one place, and, like, episode nine, the finale, starts with everybody just kind of, like, dissipating and being like, ah, now we're talking about where Eleven is, you know? Like, that's mm-hmm. how it begins, rather than beginning with a, we're shooting demodogs, everybody's dying, quick, uh, like, um, knock out Will, quick, do everything, do everything, do everything. Yeah. Like, I wish we had just skipped right to that. And then ended with Eleven coming in and Mike seeing her. And we have that beautiful moment where he sees her. Everybody's like, ah. And Hopper's like, huh? (laughs) What what happened here? And then we get the answer to all of that. I feel like that would have been more satisfying. I'm really enjoying this rendition that you just did. I, I, yeah. I, I would have liked, I would like to maybe watch it that way this time mm. and just see how I feel about it. Yeah. I do think there's, like, something to be said for building suspense mm-hmm. in, like, waiting for something else. Yeah. But I like, I like where you're going with that. I, I, I like that structure a little bit more. Yeah. So now we're going to be talking about Jonathan and Nancy. Brittany says, now says, must we? And then I say, <laughs> yes. No, this is the part where Brittany just tunes out. I'm, I, I have a lot of thoughts. 
sense. I'm really, I'm, I'm honestly not hating Nancy and Jonathan's storyline this rewatch. Jonathan and Nancy are fine separately, just together they annoy the hell out of me. I, I enjoyed their storyline in season three more than I enjoyed mm. their storyline this season. Yeah. It's just like too bad because I don't find Nancy and Jonathan like that interesting of characters. And so once Steve and Billy get taken out of that storyline, who are both more interesting, are they better people? I like no, Nancy a lot. I really liked Nancy in season one. Yeah. But I felt that like, I don't know. I don't really know what changed, but I don't something like, happened. I don't like season two for her, mm-hmm. but I, I enjoy her in season three a lot. Oh, yeah, I gotta rewatch that. I like season two for her. I just don't like that her storyline, which is about avenging Barb, is actually centered on her romance with Jonathan. Mm. And, like, that's the thing that, like, was actually the goal was not so much Barb as it was hooking she and Jonathan up. And that irritates the hell out of me. Right. That's fair. But, yeah, I just feel like rewatching it now, I'm like, okay, because I'm, I'm, I'm going through it with, like, a fine-tooth comb. And so there's actually, like, a lot to parse through and a lot to discuss, which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. And, yeah, I, like I've said previously, like, next episode when they have, like, that moment where they have, like, the revelation and they, like, find each other in the middle of the night and start making out or whatever, I'm like, if this was, like, any other character, I'd be like, whoa, exactly. this is great! Hey, yep. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Anyway, this is my summary for the um, Jancy storyline. Jancy! Nancy and Jonathan arrive at a hotel. The lady at the front desk asks if they want to share a bed or not, and they say, whoa, it's too early in our relationship for this trope, (laughs) ma'am. They sit in their separate beds awkwardly until they finally start talking about last year and what happened to them. They compare scars and reminisce about when they almost died. Nancy asks where Jonathan went. He disappeared after it all went down. He says the wrong thing, and they go to sleep. The next day, they finally make it to Murray's. He already knows who they are and lets them in. He doesn't take them seriously until Nancy points out problems with his conspiracy board. Now they have value. They play the recording they made of Dr. Owens for Murray. They ask if it's enough to incriminate the lab. Murray figures out that if they dilute it a little bit, rooted in reality, then it will work. Okay. And that's the storyline. Oh. So they arrive at the hotel and they ask for a room. Do they want one or two beds? And they say, two, please. Oh my God, please. <laughs> the way you phrased that was great. Because yeah. when I was watching it last night, I was like, ah, yes, the there was only one bed trope. Yeah. But there are two. And they're like, mm, nope, nope, two beds, yeah, two beds. The opposite. But it kind of reminded me, this happens in season two of Riverdale, actually. And it reminded me of, like, something that happens completely opposite to this, in which Jughead and Betty show up to this motel. I believe it's the one that, like, Chick lives in, right? Oh, right. And the lady's like, do you want one or two beds? And they, like, are like, one, please! (laughs) Or whatever. And then they were like, okay, I have no further questions. Please just go. (laughs) And I was like, you don't seem like a very responsible business owner. Mm -hmm. Those are children. Yeah, those are just teens, but go off. Like, I wonder, probably not, but if she would have had something to say, if they were like, just one bed, please, that she would have been like, mm, aren't you teens? Exactly. <laughs> but because they say two, it's fine. Like, I don't know. She probably wouldn't have said anything She anyway. probably wouldn't have said Business business, yeah. Yeah. And it's the 80s. Yeah. So, like, things are a little bit sketchier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Drag the 80s. So <laughs> they, they talk about how they only hang out when the world sucks, and they kind of fix that in season three because they are in a relationship in season three, so they hang out a lot. Mm-hmm. Then they, like, almost hold hands or something. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> What's going on Well, they here? compare scars. Yeah, they now. compare scars. It's so funny. She says, do you still have yours? Nancy, it's a scar. <laughs> <laughs> but I, how would he have gotten rid of it? Magic. I, no. Yeah. I don't, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, then they like start like weirdly holding hands. And I'm like, honestly, this is, this is realistic because- like, they're both cowards about it. Oh, fully. Oh, 100%. So they're not going to actually do anything. They're like, no. well, why didn't you make a move? Why didn't you? So 
here's the part that I want to talk about the most. Nancy says that she waited a month before getting back together with Steve. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she was waiting for Jonathan. Right. And it seems like Jonathan like knew that she was waiting for him. And then he, she says, I waited for you. And he says, yeah, only for like a month. Why? A month is a really long time. Why did you take so long? Right. Like if you knew that she was waiting for you. Right. Why didn't you just like, like, like there's a difference between being like, oh, she's not with her boyfriend anymore. Like, maybe she likes me. Like, I just don't know. And she's waiting for me to make a move, but she's only waiting a month. So, like, how long did you expect her? Like, how long was it going to take for you? Were you going to, like, sit there and be like, if she waits for a month and three days, then I'll know that she loves me, you know? Like, what were you waiting for? Right. Maybe he was trying to give her space or something after the end of a relationship? I don't know. Like, (sighs) It's just that, like, if that were true, then she would have been like, oh, I was, like, finding myself for, like, a month or whatever. But she specifically says, I waited. Like, you know, like, I wait, like, rather than she was doing something else. Right. You know, she says that she was waiting. Like, it was like she was stagnant about it. It was, she wasn't, like, working on anything. You know what I mean? And, like, guaranteed she was giving him hints. Yeah. She's, like, oh, probably dropping sure. hints, like, hello, yes, hmm. ask me out. And, of course, she's, like, okay. And so she, like, turns away from him because he's, like, what? You only waited a month. And it's he's interesting. Chicken shit. It was, like, beginning of November, right? And she's dating Steve by Christmas. Yeah. So she was probably started dating Steve again, like, beginning of December. Mm-hmm. He's, like, oh, why yeah. didn't you wait till the new year? Like, like was he waiting for an invitation of some kind? Like, Sir? It just, it hurts my feelings also because she was clearly waiting for Jonathan and Steve was waiting for Nancy. Yep. And because Jonathan didn't do anything, Nancy goes to Steve. But Steve probably doesn't know that she's waiting for Jonathan or else he'd be like, I don't want to be second fiddle. Right. And I'm not going to date you. Yep. Like, it's not fair to any of them. Yeah. And it's mostly Jonathan's fault. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can, I'll say that. I, That's fine. I feel comfortable blaming Jonathan. Yeah. So they go to Murray's. She got the address from his card, and Murray kind of seems too uptight about privacy to put his address on his card to me. Yeah, you were talking about that last night, and didn't you come up with, like, a solution? You and Sam did, at least. Oh, I thought maybe he just didn't have his name on his card, or maybe because... Because we were, like, worried because... Or we were... It felt weird because in season three, he gets so mad at Hopper for giving someone else's number. So, like, why would he give out his address? But, like, maybe he's conspiracy theorist about, like, them finding him. I don't know. Like, he has cameras outside of his house. Right. It's like, I'm... I see his card in my head. So, like, it's... I I feel like we saw it because the way that she got it was Barb's mom gave it to her when they were eating KFC, right? Right. Like, I'm pretty sure that's where she got it. So, and I... Like, I see it in my head. I feel like it says Murray Bauman. I don't know if it says... Sam's Googling it right now. So, hopefully we'll get some answers here. I'm not getting any results. Well, either way, they have it. (laughs) That's how she found him. He knows their names already. And Brittany was like, that's creepy. But then I was like, it's, I don't know if it is because he's been paying attention so much to Barb. It, yeah. And he's been like following her everywhere. He says he knows exactly where she went at what time all the time. And he wouldn't be doing his job if he didn't know their names already. And he, he is. He has bad at his job if he didn't. Yeah, yeah, he has been doing his job. He just doesn't have all the information that they have. You know, like, he's doing everything he possibly can. Yeah, right. And honestly, the government's doing a really good job covering it up because he can't, he can't figure it out without their help. Yeah, exactly. 
Like he even he says he also mentions Steve. He says the Harrington boy. So um, he knows. A oh lot. my gosh! You know what that? You know what that makes me think of? Like, okay, so next episode he talks to them and he says like, oh, the the boyfriend or like, do you guys re- do you remember that? Yeah. And he's talking about, and he's like, oh, the boyfriend whose name is. And then Jonathan's like Steve. And I had always thought like. He's a completely separate party who's just, like, talking to them. You know, like a therapist. How it's like, I'm talking to you, but I don't know any of the other people. Yeah. But I, I just realized that he says the Harrington boy, he knows his name is Steve Harrington. He knows exactly who they're talking about. He doesn't, like, he didn't need to ask who the no, boyfriend he was. He didn't need to ask. No. He already know. knew. That's, I just think that's funny. I think that's, like, that. that's, like, part of, like, Murray's, like, manipulative, right. like, thing, though. So he shows them the board and everything, and he was very thorough. Like, we have to give him that. He was very thorough. He just um, got some things wrong. And, okay, do you guys think that he thinks with vodka all the time? No. Like, is he always drunk? No. I don't think he's always drunk, but I think he is a frequent drinker. Right. Um, I also noticed that the, that the vodka is Russian. I think he's, like, <laughs> he's, he, I think he drinks a lot, but he's not an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. But he does frequently drink. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a... That's clever. And uh, he talks about how music makes him think. And they're like, what? That's stupid. And I'm like, girl, I put on music every day when I work. Yeah. If I don't have some kind of like auditory stimuli, I cannot work. Yeah. I can't work in silence. It's Mm-mm. impossible for me. Which was uh, <laughs> hilarious when I used to work with my friend Erin because she has to work in silence. Right. And so I would have to put my headphones on because I was like, this is deafening. Yeah. <laughs> I like usually have to work in silence, but if, but um, what's really helpful is like thunderstorm sounds. Like now I can't read in silence anymore. So that makes <laughs> sense. So I have to put on thunderstorm sounds while, yes. I, while I read. But, I can read in silence, but yeah. I can't work in silence. If I can bring up Lost really quickly. What? You bringing up Lost? That That's so unheard of. The moment where he talks about how music helps him think and everything, it reminded me of this moment in season five of Lost in which Sawyer kind of has become the leader. Okay. Saying that as vaguely as possible. Mm-hmm. And um, Jack shows up and is just like, hey, I noticed how we have problems and you're not doing anything. And Sawyer's simply just like reading a book. Right? And, oh, yeah. And Jack's like, hey, um, we have problems and I noticed that you're not freaking doing anything. Can you maybe step up? And Sawyer says that every single night, even while the wars were going on, Winston Churchill read a book because it kept him, like, sane and kept him, like, new, like... It allowed him to escape for a moment to, yeah. like, sort of collect himself. Collect, kept him grounded. Yeah. And so Sawyer says, I've been reading... I've been doing the exact same thing the entire time that I've been here. And... I was totally fine until you showed up. And so you're going to get out of my house and I'm going to keep reading my book. <laughs> and then tomorrow I'm going to save your ass. And it's like, it's, it's 100% <laughs> what he deserved. Yeah. So that's what, that's what that moment kind of reminded me of. Just leave the man to his books. Yes. So Murray says that he believes them, but that's not the problem because everyone else in the world really likes it simple and they're not going to believe it because they don't want to believe it. Stairs in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So they decide that they're going to dilute it so it's easier to swallow. Which no comments. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all. Were you, you making? Ha- what kind of joke were you making over there? Oh, uh, easier to swallow is funny. <laughs>
I will say that I think this is actually a really good strategy because as humans, um, we don't like to be overburdened with information. Mm -hmm. And uh, the testament to that is the era we live in where some of us absorb as much information as possible and some of us stick our heads in the ground. I'll let you decide who's who. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's very, it's kind of sad that it has to be done that way because like- To make it more palatable. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't trust like anybody. Mm-hmm. now and so it's like like it's sad that it has to be done that way but like if you don't do it that way then no one believes you mm-hmm. yep but what they are going to do is still blame the lab like they're still going to take down the lab with this information like that's not the part that they're lying about right right so which part exactly are they lying about instead of saying you know there's an alternate dimension with an evil do- the with an evil monster in it so they're yeah. going to remove the sci-fi aspect and be like hey these people torture kids yeah. Basically, yeah. Yeah. I'm and and Barb died from radiation, not from being eaten by a monster. Okay. Right. Um, cool. That's all I had for the Jancy storyline. <sighs> Jancy. <laughs> um, so now we're gonna do a segment I like to call Uh Actually. Yay, I love this segment. <laughs> and I only have two uh actuallys for this episode. Oh, so they did well. Mm-hmm. The Jaws one sheet movie poster is not an original release poster or a re-release or an international poster. Every single Jaws poster was dark blue except two very rare versions, which were black. And each and every one had a substantial white border. The one in the boy's bedroom is black slash dark blue to the edge of the poster, which none ever had. Boo! So what, did they just, like, cut it out of the white background? <laughs> like, I don't know. Honestly, probably. Um, and then lastly, when Lucas's sister Erica is pouring the syrup on her French toast, she is squeezing a plastic bottle of Mrs. Butterworth's. Mm-hmm. The brand Mrs. Butterworth didn't go to the plastic bottle until 1999, and since this show <sighs> takes place in 1984, Mrs. Butterworth's syrup would have still been in the glass bottle. Wow. I'm so tired of nitpickers. <laughs> I used a uh, Mrs. Butterworth plastic bottle uh, frequently in my youth. Mm. It's delicious. Mm. And Erica is valid for pouring as much as possible on her pancakes. 100%. <laughs> Speaking of, this is my summary for the kids' storyline. At Lucas's house, he asks his father a question over breakfast. He's obviously having girl troubles with Max. Lucas's dad tells him that you apologize because Lucas's mom is never wrong. He says he's going to hang out with Dustin and leaves. As he bikes away, Dustin's mom is out looking for Muse. Inside, Dustin pretends to be on the phone with a neighbor who has totally seen Muse. She goes to look for her. As soon as she's gone, Dustin starts preparing to lead Dart into the cellar by dropping a trail of sandwich meat. It works! (laughs) Dart almost goes in the cellar, but he has to scare the crap out of Dustin first. He gathers his courage and locks him in. Billy drops Max off at the arcade and speeds off. He's terrible. Lucas promised Keith a date with Nancy to get Max into the back room. What an interesting sentence. (laughs) Into the back room. Lucas tells Max everything. Dustin digs a grave for Muse in the yard and tries to call literally anyone for help. No one is answering. He keeps calling and Erica, Lucas's sister, picks up. She tells him to shut up and turns off the walkie. He (laughs) He grabs his bike and heads to Mike's house. Ted answers and tells Dustin that both Mike and Nancy are gone. Kara knows where they are. Kind of. Kind (laughs) of. Like halfway. Dustin doesn't get any answers there. Just as he's about to leave, Steve pulls up with flowers to apologize to Nancy. Dustin recruits him for the cause, and I am thrilled. (laughs) An iconic duo was born. Truly. Lucas finally finishes telling Max everything. She fully believes none of it, though she pretends to at first. She heads back through the arcade and starts talking loudly about all the secrets. Lucas covers her mouth because it's legit that serious. She starts to believe. Billy shows up outside and sees her talking to Lucas again. He's quietly upset, which is scarier than normal upset. He's racist upset. Super upset. First of all, Erica likes syrup. And we support her on this. We, we She's have no so valid. Um, do you guys want to talk about Lucas's parents? Uh, yeah, I like that uh, the only significantly stable relationship between a pair of adults on this show 
or anyone honestly on this show is uh, between Lucas's parents because um, far too often black families are depicted like with gross stereotypes Mm -hmm. and this family is like wholesome depicted in such a like wholesome like nuclear family like classic way and it's like pleasing Mm -hmm. to like see them not be stereotyped in uh, a disappointing way. Like, clearly they're not the best at communicating, but, like, (laughs) not in a way that's, like... (laughs) It's no Ted Wheeler. Yeah, it's no Ted. Yeah, for sure. Like, he's like, hey, she's never wrong. Is she wrong? Probably sometimes. And But he's not willing to bring it up, you know? (laughs) Listen, I know that there are some, like, like marriage stereotypes that are tired but having um been in a relationship with another woman it's just it's easier for both of us to just be like okay honey yeah (laughs) no no, you just i don't know you just started something now you're in trouble i did it by accident no i'm just saying like i was i would much rather see a stereotype of a man who's like yes honey you are always right than like ted wheeler (laughs) yeah yeah oh that's what i meant i didn't uh ah i see how that came out wrong what I meant was, because I didn't mean, like, the sexist part where it's like, oh, you should just agree with your wife. What I meant was, when you're with your partner, sometimes you just go, yes, you are correct. Because it is simpler. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like, the, you don't need to fight about most things. You should just agree. Robin's like, have you two taken your own advice? Because sometimes you get in fights in front of me. <laughs> oh, they get in fights in front of me all the time. And it's really <laughs> funny because I'm always like, like, before the other person even has time to react, I'm like... Oh, they just made the other one upset. And then she bolts. Sometimes. And other times I just sit there like, or I'm in my room and then I go, like, you guys can't even see me. And I'm like, there it was. There (laughs) it was. And usually it's me saying something stupid. I think we can all agree. (laughs) But before Sam even has time to react, I'm just like, whoops. Gotta go. (laughs) Someone made a mistake there, just there. So yeah, he says he's going to go hang out with Dustin and um, he doesn't. (laughs) He's lying. Um... (laughs) Poor Dustin's mom. Oh, I looked up her name. Her name is Claudia. She's out looking for Muse. I I feel so bad for her. Agreed. Yeah, me too. Like, luckily, she never has to know in what a brutal and terrible way that Muse died. But because like, I bet it would it's break also her so heart. Sad that she ha- she will never know where Muse went. I just I just wish Dustin uh, had not sent her on some wild goose chase mm-hmm. and like because given her hope that exactly yeah like obviously he needed her out of the house, but in that case, like find a way to just get her to the shelter to buy Muse too. Muse you know, too. I was I was literally sitting here. Do you guys think that they named the cat Muse so that? When they got a second one, it could be Mewtwo. Mewtwo? Oh my god. Probably. But I also, hope so. I just think it's really cute that they named the cat after the sound that it makes. <laughs> oh, that's cute. So we named Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> we named Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Lucas says that he's going to Dustin's house and then fully bikes right past Dustin's house. Yeah, he's yeah. like a liar. <laughs> um, Claudia goes back inside and Dustin is on the phone and is pretending that he's talking to Mr. McCorkle, which sound which like I would assume like if I was Dustin's mom I'd be like oh who's Mr. McCorkle or oh Mr. McCorkle has seen it but then okay basically I think that Dustin made up Mr. McCorkle first of all because I think (laughs) McCorkle is a ridiculous name yeah that doesn't sound like a real name but then also the last name McCorkle is gonna be really mad at us (laughs) uh, names are every name is a made-up word it's true that McCorkle is an extra made-up word (laughs) (laughs) But 
my thought is that like if Mr. McCorkle was a real neighbor, then Claudia would go to Mr. McCorkle right. and ask about Muse, and Mr. McCorkle would be like, "Girl, what you talking about?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why that's another reason why I think that he fully just made up Mr. McCorkle and he doesn't actually exist. Okay, that's fair. I I agree with that hot take. Mm-hmm. So the next note that I made, which was kind of answered later in the episode, but I said, "What did he do with Muse? Muse's body? Did he just let Dart finish it off?" And then later it's shown that he did bury Muse in the backyard. But where was it before that? Just like in his room, in his closet? Like where where did he keep it? Ugh. Like was it just in his room like during the night when he was sleeping? Ugh. Did like, he put did he put it in the, the tank? What tank? The turtle tank. Oh. Like I don't know, but it's gross either way, no matter what. Honestly, Dustin is very good at pretending he's on the phone. <laughs> like he's giving it way better than Mike. Yeah, oh, for sure. But, like, he's giving, like, the time for Mr. McCork- Mr. McCorkle to have answered. And, you know, he's doing all the things that are very... Basically, what I'm trying to say is Gaten is a professional actor and he's doing a good job. <laughs> However, he is wasting his mom's time. Yep. And maybe putting her in danger. When yep. bad things are happening out throughout the town and you're just letting your mom leave. Yep. But then again, how would he possibly explain? That's true. You can't. Like, like, Lucas puts Max in danger by telling her everything. And I guess it's like half Dustin is letting his mom be in danger because he's just letting her walk around this town that's filled with monsters. But, <laughs> but it's like also, a, he's like protecting his mom because her knowing would put a target on her. Exactly. Yep. So it's a really hard and difficult situation. Especially because in Dustin's family, his mom is the only person that he has. Exactly. And he can't be honest with her. So he has his sandwich meat and his goalie equipment and he just opens the door and starts running. Excuse me, it's bologna? Oh, sorry. Is that not sandwich meat? It is, but I, just be specific. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so he hides in the shed and it's like, they call them demodogs, but he kind of starts doing this cat thing in which like every time you look, he's closer and closer and closer, yeah. you know? <laughs> Honestly, I just got to say, Dustin, very brave. Mm-hmm. I would not be doing this. But then again, I would not pick up the weird slug thing and keep it in my house. I was just about to say that. <laughs> so. I would be like, I wouldn't have done any of this. Yeah. So yeah, Billy takes Max to the arcade and she only has an hour. I don't know where Billy is going for like only an hour and then coming back. But... Probably the uh, booty call. Yeah, probably. He's like, that's going to take less than an hour. I'll probably, I'll just wait outside for like the other 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the fact that it's Dig Dug is the one that they made out of order. First of all, that's the one that Max is the best at, right? Because that she's the one that got the top score on Dig Dug. Yeah. But, like, the fact that it's Dig Dug and that's the one that's, like, the huge metaphor for the whole season and the fact that Dig Dug is out of order maybe because Hopper is inside of Dig Dug. Yeah, I like maybe, it a lot. or some sort of concept like that. Once again, this all could have ended differently. Max, a creepy teenager says, oh, this thing that's specific to you is broken. I have another in the back room. You don't just go. Right. Yeah. That could have also ended poorly. Yep. Way too trusting here. And so Keith takes her into the back and Lucas is there and he says, keep things PG in here. Sir, how are you so obsessed with wanting a date with Nancy? who already has a boyfriend. He probably hasn't heard about the breakup yet. Mm-hmm. But even if even if not, Jonathan. Like, these are children. Right. Like, sir, imagine wanting a date with her so bad 
that you're willing to like like bro you could get fired for that stuff like it's it's predatory honestly it's super it's super gross i know it's supposed to be like haha like oh like teenagers and stuff but i'm like ew i mean maybe he did get fired because then he's he's working at family video at the end of that's season three, true right okay good but yeah i just like need keith to take several st- steps back um, yeah. Because, like, I don't know. Like, maybe he knows that... I don't know how much has, like, gone around the school. Because at least, like, there are some people who know about, like, the whole Nancy and Jonathan thing. Right. Other than, like, Tommy H., who obviously knows about it because he was friends with Steve when all of that stuff was happening in season two. Or season one. Yeah. But, like, maybe Keith has this, like, weird... I don't want to use the word fantasy. But, like, thing about Nancy because... He considers himself on a really even playing field with Jonathan, who's also an outcast. That, like, if Nancy can like Jonathan, maybe she can also like him. Mm, I, I could see that. I, I think that's correct. Yeah. Um. So he thinks that if he gets the date with Nancy and he can convince her to like him, that he'll just, like, have one. And I'm like, ew. Yeah, that's... I feel icky about that. And Max totally understands that all this stuff that's happening is fully creepy, but she still is the one who walked into the back room. So I'm like, what are you doing? I like that Max like has a resting bitch face. Yeah. She just looks at all of them like, ugh. Ugh. So she accepts the risk because Lucas needs her like verbal consent to be like, um, to be told all of this stuff. Yep. Um, we were kind of talking last night about how Lumax is kind of like the most realistic couple of the, I guess the two options are, Malevin and Lumax. Yeah. We've talked a lot about how we like, we prefer Lumax, but what By were you- leaps and bounds. Yeah. But what were you saying about them being really real- realistic? I just think they're more realistic because they act like kids. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they joke at each other. They mess with each other. Like he, in season three, especially like he points out a pimple and like mm-hmm. he like says something stupid and she like laughs at it. And it's like, there's an easy like familiarity. Right. Like they're, they're friends before they're boyfriend and girlfriend, which I think is important for every relationship. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can tell that they're f- also friends. Mm-hmm. And with Eleven and Matt, and Eleven and Max, uh, well. I'd like to see it. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, with Eleven and Mike, it's, like, fraught and angsty and, like, far more dramatic than, like, it's not, like, dramatic, like, when you're 14 and, like, this is your first relationship and it's the biggest deal of your life, mm-hmm. which, like, is a very valid kind of dramatic. It's valid. It's dramatic in a way that's like, I'm not a 14 year old. I am a world weary, like 32 year old who has experienced so much. And the one that got away. Right. Literally. It's just, it's, it's too, it's too matured and too like sexualized for a pair of 14 year olds, in my opinion. And Lumax is not, that it's it's just like these are a pair of teenagers who are having their first relationship and it goes through like goofy ups and downs and like like the kind of relationship you have when you're 14 exactly it's not like the weird intensity of the other two it's just so intense so here's the thing also is that 11 and mike have obviously gone through way more like like life and death type stuff and you know, that's kind of what you get when Eleven literally is like a supernatural being and obviously the stakes are higher there, but there's sure. still, it would still be very easy to, 
start over in season three. It's been like half a year since season two. Yep. So you, you could still, you could start that rapport, you know? Like you could make that rapport have happened since they've been like hanging out afterwards, you know? Right, like, like it doesn't have to stay so intense. Right, they don't have to be like all all that we get to see of the two of them is making out and then arguing and then saying I love you. Mm-hmm. And like you don't get to see them being friends. Yeah. Like it's just so intense mm-hmm. for no reason at that point mm-hmm. in season 3. But yeah, it's like I think we talked about this a lot in season 1, but like Mike who has been playing Dungeons and Dragons, watching sci-fi, watching like fantasy stuff Mm -hmm. and it's like this is like the biggest craziest like like he's living a movie so it's like he doesn't see her as a person he sees her as a character in a movie you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah he kind of does doesn't he it's like it's like hero worship almost I don't want to like simplify their relationship but it kind of feels like that you know like Mike has been spending his entire childhood reading about things like her yep and, and now then she comes to life. And she has feelings for him. And yep. it's like he's living a movie rather than like is he living a movie? Yeah, bro. You, you I mean, there are monsters here. But like but like even after that when the monsters aren't are like on breaks in between seasons <laughs> right. like us. Yep. Um he still just sees her as like a thing or like you know, something She's from an idea. Lord of the Rings. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very, like, he sees her as, like, Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's it. Like, he, that's that's how Mike treats Eleven. And I'm a spe- like, uh, Mike, this season is really difficult to, especially with Max, he's really difficult to, uh, to, to swallow because um, he's really mean to Max all about Eleven and he's much easier to, to uh, deal with when he's with Will. So I'm mm-hmm. glad that, like, that all is over because... <laughs> really upsetting but it's just too bad because mike was like really not that unlikable in season one but yeah. like by season three i'm like i don't even want to look at that kid mm-hmm. yeah he just drives me crazy by season three it's realistic because he's like i think he's supposed to drive you crazy though. he's like 14 or 15 or whatever and like listen you ever met a 14 to 15 year old boy yeah like it, i get it <laughs> it's just like but then i meet dustin as well and i'm just like why why aren't we all like this though exactly you know so yeah I just, I have, tr- I definitely have troubles with Mike. And, you know, he's been through a lot. I don't blame him, but there's some personal reflection that could happen here. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Um, so back to Dustin. Um, I did not have the stomach when I was this young. I don't even have the stomach now. I could not have buried that cat. No. I, uh-uh. To this day, I, I could not cried. bury, I can't, I could never have buried that cat. Yep. I'd have cried, but I could have done it. I could but be. I grew up on a farm. Yeah, so. you grew up on a farm. Oh, right. I don't even want to look at, like, I can't even, like, the, the cats puke on the rug and I can't even look at that. Like, I can't, I can't do that stuff. So the next thing that we see is him cleaning the corner of his room that Muse died in and it's fully, is just like, probably has blood all over it and, like, this is something that you would want to ask your mom to help you with, but he's protecting her by not. Yep. Um, Erica is in Lucas's room, which he tells her not to do. And she, like, Dustin says it's a life or death thing. And Erica's like, yeah, I don't care about (laughs) your life. So I just don't care. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm Erica. Yeah. So he goes to Mike's house and their line has been busy for two hours because Karen is talking to her friend, Kath. I respect Karen. She's talking on the phone. She can't text. Like, she can't text anybody. It's like, it's 1983, four. She doesn't know where her children are. She's- She thinks she does. She's busy. Her husband is negligent and useless. And like, you know, she just wants to talk to her friends. And I like, let her do it. Yep. None of my kids are using the phone right now. Great. 
I'll, this I'll is my it. phone now. Exactly. I'm, I'm not gonna, gonna call one of my girls. I'm not gonna spend this time talking to my husband. Yeah, because he clearly sucks. Yeah. Um, so they say that Mike is at Will's, but he says no one will pick up there. So do you guys remember at the beginning of the episode when Joyce tries to call Hopper again and she doesn't get anything? She just hangs up, right? She doesn't, like, unplug the phone or anything, right? Yeah, she just hangs up. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that no one's picking up. Because- Well, because- they're all focused on, like, what Will is doing. Well, yeah. if she's been trying to call Hopper this whole time- mm, You would think maybe she's expecting him to call her back. Yeah. So I just think that's interesting. Um, and then we hear that Nancy is at Allie's. Well, uh, that's just not true. Yeah. <laughs> Mike is at Will's. Like, she's right about that. But Nancy sure is not at Allie's. So. Um, Dustin literally swears at his friend's parent. <laughs> <laughs> he knows because Ted's not going to do anything about it except go, hey, language. Right. He's like, Ted doesn't care about raising his own children. Why should he care about raising me? Yeah. Ted is useless. Yeah. In, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. So then he tells Ted that he is no help. And you know what? It's true, but don't tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about... Hey, you guys want to talk about politics? Sure. Uh, yeah. So um, if you guys pay attention to the political signs in the yards, um, the Wheelers are Republicans, which we've talked about previously. Um, but Dustin's family are Democrats. And um, I, I like that. I mean, we've talked a lot about why the Wheelers... And why it makes sense that the Wheelers are Republicans. Yeah. Um, but I love that for Claudia. Yeah. Claudia's like, we're Democrats. She's like, I'm a, I'm a single mom. Yeah. Um, and then you want to, you said something about that last night about the fact that it's nice that Mike is still allowed to like. No, it's just, it's funny to me that, or like, I don't know. It's interesting to me that Mike is allowed to like hang out with kids whose parents are like Democrats or like anything like that because I don't really think I was allowed to growing up in a Republican house. Uh, we, we just always like, I was always told to like stay away from people who we knew were Democrats and not, not in like a be mean to them or like any way like that, but it was very much like they don't believe in what we believe in. Mm-hmm. So be careful around them kind of way. Right. So I don't know. I, I do think it's interesting that they diversify the parent group of, of the kids. Yeah. Um, I, we all know that Ted Wheeler doesn't give a crap about who his kids hang out with, so. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you, you had me at Ted Wheeler doesn't give a crap about his kids. Okay, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Um, so Steve shows up and he tries to apologize to Nancy, but he doesn't know what he's apologizing for. And you know what? I'm with him there. He didn't do anything wrong. He sure did. Yep. But I really like this parallel to Lucas's dad. Yeah. He says, you always apologize. She's never wrong. Right? Oh my God. And so you get this parallel- with Steve being like, I don't know what I'm sorry for. But I am sorry. But I am. So then Dustin just, like, makes Steve, like, hang out with him. Is like, Nancy's not here. Let's just move on. And I just wanted to say that Dustin really is presumptuous. Oh, fully. Like, you think that it's just, like, a word that she used so that um, they could make a joke about Dustin not knowing what the word presumptuous means. Yep. But, like, looking back on that moment, I'm like, Dustin really is very presumptuous. He really yes. is. Oh, fully. He's just like, oh, you're doing what I want, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, yeah, we are. I guess. And and Steve just goes along with it. He's just <laughs> like, okay, yeah, let's go. Cannot, Billy, Billy, can you not see that this man <laughs> is a beta? <laughs> I don't know why. Oh my God. I don't know why. I don't know why you think he's a threat. This man just listens to kids when they tell him what to do. Like he oh just God. like, he'll do whatever. So I don't know why you think he's a threat. And I like this moment where Dustin's like, Nancy's not there. And Steve goes, where is she? Because he automatically thinks she's with Jonathan. Right? Dustin 
thinks, oh, she's not with Jonathan, she's with Allie. Because Dustin has no way of knowing that. And also he has no reason to not believe that. But he's right. She is with Jonathan. Mm-hmm. So that's it for Dustin this episode. But we're going back to Lucas and Max. And Lucas is being totally sincere with her this entire time. And she pretends to believe, but of course she thinks that he's making fun of her. Because even though they've been, they excluding Mike, mm-hmm. have been completely sincere and genuine with her this entire time, she has been constantly thinking that they're just making fun of her because they won't include her in anything because of Mike. And I mean, like, I get that. Like, she would have no reason to believe that this literal supernatural story is yeah. true. Yeah, so it totally makes sense that he's making, that she thinks he's making fun of her. And I like this one where she was like, eh, the story was okay. It was a little derivative. And, <laughs> and you know, at times it could use a little more originality. And so that, that's just the writers making fun of themselves, which I think is really fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also wanted to say Max knows so many big words. I think that's cool. She, yeah. she does. She says presumptuous. She says derivative. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Like, it's really cool to give each of your characters such a clear voice like that. And they know that Will and Mike like to say things twice. (laughs) They like to say their sentences over and over again. Um, But Max knows big words, which I think is cool. Yeah. Yeah. But she says that it's okay if he wants to go and tell all of his friends that she believed him. And I have, I don't know. Like, I think that's interesting that she's like, stop making fun of me. But she doesn't mind if everybody else thinks that she was stupid. It's like, yeah. It's, like, I I guess at that point she's, like, done, like, putting up with them. And, like, she's, like, okay, this is enough. Like, if you want to go, like, you can, like, have your win. I'm I'm done putting up with you guys and listening to this. Yep. Yeah. I I think she, at that point, doesn't value their opinions anymore because she's had enough of them, like, what what she perceives as is making fun of her. Mm -hmm. And she didn't come to the arcade. She didn't come to the arcade to see Lucas. No, she came there to play Dig Dug. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, I'm not lying to you because our main rule is friends don't lie. She doesn't think you're her friend. Right. Like, that might be true, but she doesn't think you guys are friends because she thinks you're always making fun of her. So that's why she doesn't care about your weird moral statement. Exactly. So Billy shows up and she's like, don't follow me out because she knows that her stepbrother is racist. And so she gets into the car and Billy continues to be racist. Mm -hmm. Um, What is wrong with him? And she's like, we're not hanging out. It's just a small town. She didn't go there to hang out with him. Like, she, she didn't, she wasn't trying to break any of Billy's rules that shouldn't be rules. Yep. He knows that she's lying, and he says, you know what happens when you lie. Does Whoa. that mean she's about to get, like, No, abused? what? What happens when she lies? Tell me. I think he hits her. Like, he, we've seen him yeah. be physical with her before. Because, like, he- It has to be that His he hits dad her. hits him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, well, violence is the answer because I don't know how to learn. Yeah. And, like, people who are abused, this is not an excuse, is an explanation- People who are abused, some people who are abused, Mm -hmm. sorry, some people who are abused take the, like, because they feel helpless from their abusers, they take out their frustrations with that on someone smaller than them, like Max. Mm -hmm. So he's exerting power over her because he doesn't have it in another place. And like he exerts power over everybody else because he doesn't have it at home. Yeah. And so she says, don't follow me out. And then what does he do? Follows her out. Ugh. Dumb. Like, she literally tells him not to do something. Yeah, and she, he's like, okay, I won't follow you out, but as soon as you drive away, then I'll follow you out because mirrors don't exist and Billy definitely can't see me. And, it, like, he spent that entire thing trying to convince her of something and she's like, hey, can you listen to me for a second? And he was like, huh? <laughs> like, I love the kid, but what a dingbat. He was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's all I had for the kid storyline. I liked but- it. 
Okay, so before we move on to the final storyline, we're going to talk a little bit about Patreon. So Patreon is a service in which you can donate monthly to some of your favorite creators. Um, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash theafficionados. And if you help us out with $1 a month or more, you get early access to all of our podcasts, including this one, which goes up a week early um, since, you know, we don't have to wait for weekly episodes or anything yeah and if you help us out with five dollars or more you get uh, 10% off at shopbelux.com which is me and Brittany's small business if you can't help us out on patreon just checking out shopbelux.com and buying something cool off of there also helps us out and you get something cool out of it Brittany makes resin art and I do fandom embroideries I currently only have one stranger things um design right now which is Steve um <laughs> but it looks great I think it's one of my favorite ones that I've ever done it's so. very close to her heart yeah um you can check out uh, some links in the description for Shopulux and our Patreon. Uh, but if you can't help us out at all monetarily, that's totally okay. The next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend because um, we would love for you to get the get the news out that we're doing this. Um, <laughs> there are still a few seasons for us to cover, so. Um, I'm a big fan of this one. I think this podcast in particular, like this episode is going really well. And it's I'm really, fun. really enjoying talking to you guys about it. So yeah. um, if you're having a good time listening to it, consider telling a friend about the podcast or any of our other podcasts. That's also great. Exactly. Uh, okay. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So now we're doing the Jopper, Will, Mike storyline, and Sam did the summary for that. Beep boop. Joyce is trying to reach Hopper, but she keeps getting his voicemail. She continues piecing together Will's map, and Will tells Mike how he feels now that he's being plagued by the shadow monster. Mike tells him that maybe it's a good thing. He's a spy now. Mike, read the room. <laughs> Will worries that the shadow monster will spy back, but Mike tells him that that won't happen, that they won't let that happen. Tyler writes. Hopper is still in the Upside Down and it does not agree with him. He gets spat on by a vine. sound like he had a bit of an upset stomach about it. <laughs> He's like, oh, just a bit of gas. <laughs> this is not agreeing with me. He looks very sick. He gets spat on by a vine and then he passes out and falls down. He is not having a good day, I think. Will tells Joyce that he saw Hopper in his now memories and he thinks he's in trouble. He thinks he's going to die. Hopper wakes up and the entrance he made into the Upside Down is now gone. He slices off his sleeve to make a mask because he respects social distancing recommendations. <laughs> Will draws the location that Hopper's at and they find it in his previous drawings, but they don't know how to read the map. Bob comes by with brain teasers to cheer Will up because he thinks he's sick. Joyce almost sends him away, but Bob makes a joke about being Bob the Brain and she realizes he can probably help. They don't want to put Bob in danger, so they tell him that he can't ask any questions. Bob is really confused, but he recognizes Lover's Lake because he knows that shape. It's a heart, bud. Everyone knows that shape. Nonetheless, <laughs> he, he figured it out. It's a map of Hawkins, and it goes around all of the bodies of water. Hopper realizes that the tunnels are taking him in circles. He lights his shirt on fire and gets the vines, the vines to back off. He starts trying to claw his way out. Joyce is measuring distances for Bob so that he can figure out exactly where X is on the map of Hawkins. She gets impatient because, as we know, it's urgent. He figures it out and they run out the door. Bob goes with them because he's a cool guy. Hopper has dug himself a small tunnel, but it appears to be useless. Exhausted, he sits down and decides to smoke a cigarette. The vines take advantage of his vulnerable state and strap him down OG Jumanji style. <laughs> His knife is just out of reach and things aren't looking good. At Hawkins Lab, they're running tests on the upside down dirt and suddenly it all does mini tornadoes. Neat. Joyce is driving and asking Bob if they're there yet and he doesn't know, but Will does. They veer off into the middle of a field and Joyce literally, literally jumps into a hole to start digging Hopper out. Bob is confused, but he continues to help. He hops down with her to look for Jim. 
She follows the cigarette breadcrumbs that Hopper left because she knows exactly what kind he smokes. Wow. Will and Mike are waiting by the car when a bunch of cars from Hawkins Lab show up. In the Upside Down, they start ripping vines off of Hopper and he's alive. They work together to free him and Joyce is very concerned. Jim and Bob are like, hi bro, it's chill. Up (laughs) Up top, the government cops jump into the hole and start lighting things on fire and it literally breaks Will. He falls to the ground screaming, "Uh uh-oh, the end. Uh-oh, the end. I like that that was abrupt. Uh-oh, the end. Well, the ending was abrupt. Uh-huh. It's true. So, the, yeah, they can't reach Hopper, and um, Will says, I think Hopper is going to die. Thank you so much for the uh, foreshadowing to the end of season three. How dare you? Which might not actually be true, but it's foreshadowing. There are still some papers that Will has drawn that don't fit into the map. Um, Will continues to confide in Mike. And so now at this point, the Mind Flayer is inside the Upside Down, in the Upside Right, and also inside Will. So basically he's everywhere. He's just everywhere. Yeah. But Mike says maybe it's a good thing because he's totally trying to cheer him up, but it's not super helpful. Um, Oh, classic Mike. Do you think that Will could interpret that as Mike not really believing him? Mm, Because, like, if anyone was going to believe him, it would be Mike. But the fact that Mike's just like, it's fine, though. Everything's going to be okay, though. Like, Like, I don't know. If I was Will, I'd be like, I'm going through something, though. It's, yeah, like, it's really... Mike is trying to, like, be positive and, like, look on the, uh, like, bright side of it Mm -hmm. all. But it's like, he, it just shows how no one really understands what Will is going through. Mm -hmm. Because, like, even his closest friend is like, it'll be okay. Yeah. Pat, pat. Yeah. It okay, don't be cry. (laughs) Um, so Will is worried that the Mind Flayer is going to, we don't even know that it's called the Mind Flayer yet, but. (laughs) It's just that we all know it. Yeah. Um, is worried that it, the Mind Flayer is going to spy back. And Mike's like, we're not going to let that happen. And I'm just like... You are powerless try, to stop yeah, that. <laughs> just try, try not to. That's a promise that you can't keep. So then Mike holds on to Will's hand and they have this very specific shot in which you see them that him like touching his hand. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to point out that Lumax also has a shot like this, this episode, yep. in which they have a shot where you see them hold hands. And Lumax is a romantic ship. Yep. I just wanted to say that. You are absolutely correct. I think it's like, it's laying the ground to reveal reveal that Will is gay, which mm-hmm. I am standing or like, by. Or boys. Yeah. Um, or, or I guess I guess the canon is doesn't like girls, right? Yes. Yeah. But th- who's to say what that heckin' means? Right. But it's laying the foundation for queer Will of some yeah. kind. Yeah. But it is also queer baity to imply mm-hmm. that Mike reciprocates those feelings because when he clearly he doesn't. doesn't. He doesn't. I would also say, though, that Mike and Will would be much more interesting to me. Than Mike and Eleven? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I would agree with that as well. So we see Hopper investigating, and he pulls out his gun. What? What's What's the gun going to do? Um, <laughs> he's trying to shoot a hole. Yeah. fire. I wrote that I thought that it wasn't very helpful, but probably reassuring for him to be holding it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it probably makes him well, feel safe. Also, if another one of the Demogorgons show up down there, because, like, that's right. his main experience yeah. with yeah. the Upside Down. So, like, I would want to be prepared as well, yeah. Yeah. So the walls are, like, spitting at him. Um, He falls down and the roof closes, so that's terrifying. That's gonna be a real bummer. The next morning, we see that Mike has slept on the floor. Bless. Right beside Will. Like, make sure. He's, like, he's so interesting when he's around Will. Mm Mm-hmm. He's, like, Mm -hmm. hard to, hard to tolerate when he's around anybody else. Yes. Yep. Strange. Like, I understand that, like, you know, he's a teenage 
teenager in a weird world and I, he can be like a lot of people's favorites and that's totally fine i just yeah. find him the most interesting when he's around will mm-hmm. yep will knows where hopper is because he's he's doing the thing where he's being the spy without the mind flayer wanting him to be yep at this point but of course next episode is when it really goes to a head in which um you know th- that flips yep i think it's because there's like a percentage of his mind and will is still like over 50% of his mind but then the mind flayer takes over more than 50% if yeah. that makes sense no yeah it does so then hopper wakes up do we know what made him wake up i don't think so right he just does no he just wakes up because yeah. uh that's where we are in the narrative yes um and he can't find the opening that he made earlier because it closed up and so now he's kind of trapped which is scary. Um, he cuts off his sleeve and starts using it as a mask, right? Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. well, I think they realized when they save Will, like, they had to do CPR on him. Yeah. So, like, he probably realizes that the air down here is not great for him to be inhaling. Right. But also, like, the vines could get in, like, so it also kind of, like, stops mm-hmm. them from, like, going down his throat, I would yeah. guess. Yeah. Okay. Which is gross. But true. So he comes to a crossroad and leaves the cigarette pieces as breadcrumbs. So that's, I, I'm seeing like a lot of references to different things just in the small snippets of Hopper that we get mm-hmm. because this is kind of like a Hansel and Gretel type thing and the vines like grabbing him and stuff is like a Gulliver's Travels thing. Never thought about that. I mean the Gulliver's Travels thing is like having to be like you're specifically tied down by like tiny tiny people but it still kind of reminded me of that. Okay. Um. So yeah, Will draws where he saw Hopper and they find the spot which... Already, like, whatever has something to do with this map, I'm like, there's no way that, first of all, you put this together like a puzzle, and second of all, you were like, oh, this has to be it. There there has to be more cross wo- crossroads than one. Right? <laughs> I'm sorry. So, Bob is outside, um, and something that Bob mentions passively um, is that he said that as a kid, he used to be sick all the time. Yeah, what was that about? Do you, Was he really sick or was he just like, he had been bullied so bad that he stayed home or something? Because that's really the only thing that we know that did happen to him at school. So I thought maybe that was about it, but maybe it was just a passing comment. I'm not sure. What do you guys no, think? No, I think he probably was sick a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like maybe he had asthma or something. A- yeah, I was thinking asthma, but I'm also, like th- things that are somehow... <laughs> inherently nerdy inherently nerdy even though they're just like something that's like wrong with your body yeah yeah but yeah maybe that Mm -hmm. so he says that nothing made him feel better than brain teasers that's so So really (laughs) really okay robin would you like to talk about brain teasers i love brain teasers um i used to have like a book like just books of them and i used to just play them i mean i'm that weird kid who like if i was on a road trip i would ask my mom to make me long division like things so that i could do long division in the back while we were driving Okay. I've never related to anything less. Yeah. But I stand that a lot. Hmm. I think that's so cute. Did you have those brain quiz, like, flip card thingies that were, like, connected by one corner and you just slid them up and they had trivia on them? And then you flipped it over and the answer was on the back? I feel like yes, but my problem with that was that I can't, I can't use it, like, over and over again because now I already know the answers. Mm. So it was, like, like, just really long books that I could draw in. I really liked the ones that were, like, charts and then, like, each... Like, it just gave you clues. Like, it'd be like, these are all of the houses and these are all of the people and these are their pets or whatever. And then they would give you clues. They would say, 
um, Becky doesn't live in the greenhouse or Gerald has a poodle, but he doesn't live beside the blue house, you know, and then you have to figure out like where everybody lives and whose dog is who. Yep. Mm -hmm. I loved those. I loved those. Those were so, (laughs) in fact, I need to go find another booklet of those immediately. I want to do those so bad. But I guess Bob doesn't have like TV or anything at that point, like when he was a kid. So like, that's what he had. And yeah, 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 that's a good point. So he just really, really wants to help, but Joyce won't let him in. I think it's interesting that the buyer's house is the one that always ends up just totally trashed at the end of every every like, season. How is that house still standing? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's always theirs. So then we get this moment where Bob says, they don't call me Bob the Brain for nothing. And Hopper called him Bob the Brain in... 201 and Joyce was like don't call him that don't do that Mm -hmm. but I mean not like that she did it in a very like joking way like come on don't be like that bro but now we get like the reveal that Bob is actually totally fine being called Bob the brain and kind of seems kind of proud of that which Mm -hmm. is really great you what were you saying about that last night Brittany um just that he probably reclaimed that name for himself and now he like thinks of it as like an affectionate thing to call himself Mm -hmm. it kind of reminds me of my personal favorite um drag queen (laughs) her name is Trixie and um the story of how she got her name was that she had a really abusive stepfather who would call her a Trixie for being too feminine and um so she made that her drag name Yep. And now she's one of the most successful drag queens in the world. Now it's hers. So sucks to suck. Trixie's stepdad. Yep. So they're like, oh yeah, Bob is smart. Okay, you can help, but there is no questions. And they're 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 lying to him to protect him. It's just too bad because then he's the one who like dies. Ends up dying yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, there is another fun fact on IMDB. It says Bob makes a joke about Will's puzzle. He says, What's that the X? Pirate treasure? This is an obvious reference to The Goonies, mm-hmm. which is a movie about outcast children following a map to pirate treasure, and Sean Astin was in it. So Great, great movie. And The Goonies came out in 1985, so we know that, like, Ghostbusters and Star Wars and everything are, are canon. Yep. Right? <clears throat> but The Goonies hasn't come out yet in canon. That's oh my god, funny. I didn't even think about that! Yeah, it happens next year, so that's funny. So, Bob, like pulls Joyce aside and is basically like really worried about them and she can talk to him and confide in him but she's like what nothing's wrong everything's fine we're all fine here how are you Joyce and Hopper are like the king and queen of hiding all of their issues yeah but like I feel like if I was Bob I'd be kind of like um that would be uh frustrating yep so yeah he really wants to help me he doesn't know any of the context but he does know geography and these are all lakes He's such a beautiful little nerd. So another fun fact from IMDb, many of the geographical locations around Hawkins mentioned by Bob, such as Jordan Lake and the Eno River, Eno, Eno, are named after real locations in North Carolina, located near Durham, where the show's creators, the Duffer Brothers, grew up as children. Oh. <laughs> Sam's like, this is I was, news to me. I was like, North Carolina, this show is such in uh, Indiana. Mm-hmm. But nice, I like that. Um, he noticed that the vines never go over water and he realizes that it's a map. And I was like, girl, y'all said find the X and no one thought it was a map until now. Right? (laughs) It was like, did you think it was an equation? I have no idea what they could have thought it was other than a map. Well, did they also think it was a map and just not tell him because he can't ask questions? I don't know. Like, wouldn't that be a really important, like, detail to mention, though? Yep. Like, it seemed like Will didn't even know it was a map, though. Yeah, maybe. Will Will acted like he was like, oh. Like, he's like, I drew all these, but, like, I don't know. Right. So Hop is trying to call for help, but obviously he doesn't reach anybody. 
Um, but he does know that the vines don't like fire, so he makes a torch and tries to dig. They all try and find to and try and figure out a scale for the map. Um, but what they're doing does not seem accurate at all. Yep. So he basically just has to guess at, at the location of X, and you know you're really pulling, you're really twisting his arm here. But mm-hmm. I mean, but it ends up working. But out. like he's like, if I had to guess, it gets it perfectly correct. Well, does he? Because they are on their way to where they want to go, and Will's the one who's like, whoa, turn left, it's here. Yeah, right. So he gets close okay, enough. Okay, yeah, you're right. But he does get close enough for it to work out. Yeah, great. And then another one from IMDb. It is shown but not stated that Will's drawing is so large he actually uses up all the paper in the house. Bob has to do his calculations on an empty notepad and Joyce marks Hopper's location on the back of some wrapping paper. Oh, that's cute. I never noticed that I love that detail. That's such a good detail. I never noticed. I thought it was so cool. So yeah, Hopper's trying to get out of the vines and they start attacking and constricting so he can't reach his gun. And that reminded me of Gulliver's Travels, which is, like, basically the origination of, like, showing up somewhere and getting, like, tied down by a bunch of tiny smalls. (laughs) So we go to the lab, and they say that they didn't find any poisons in the soil, but when you, like, try and move some of it, all of it moves at once. Yep. So this is also kind of, like, foreshadowing not only, like, the rest of this season with, like, the hive mind, but also next season is real like the whole hive mind thing is really like even more apparent yeah like it's basically the main plot yeah um so they try to follow the map will can feel it and he knows do you guys remember if this happens in in the in the finale or episode eight when um they're driving and and max i think is reading the map and she yells like for them to turn really fast as well i think if i remember isn't she driving max is driving None of the rest of them can drive. Who's looking at the map? Dustin? No, Dustin's with Steve, No, Dustin's in the back of Steve. I feel like, do do you remember this, though? There's a moment in which, like, Max is driving, and they're like, we have to turn, like, this specific spot or whatever, and they go, turn now, turn now! Yeah. And, like, I remember that happening, but either way, I think it's a parallel to this moment. Yeah. basically what I'm trying oh, to say. Oh, for sure, for sure. I, it's it's in this season, though, still, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. like a, just a couple episodes from yeah. now. Um, so they find Hopper's car, and Bob says, what's Jim doing here? So that he literally just didn't, he didn't even know what they were looking for. He just, right. like, went. He, and that's, like, a testament to how good a per- person he is, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, do you guys think that Bob has jealous feelings about Jim? No. no. I don't think he feels threatened by him at all. Yeah, I agree. They, they do this, like, they do this all in a very non-toxic way, mm-hmm. because, like, you can tell Hopper is a little bit jealous of Bob yeah. because he, like, got the girl that he always wanted. Which kind must of. be so... Which must just twist him up inside because Bob was, like, this huge dirt in high school. Mm-hmm. Right. But in season two, they do it really well because they don't show Hopper being jealous in, like, a creepy, possessive way that they yeah. do in season three, which is unfortunate. It's just a very much, like, that's something I missed out on mm-hmm. kind of thing. And Bob is very much just, like, very happy, very, like, just, like, honored to be with Joyce yep. yeah and it's really sweet and like yeah he just doesn't seem threatened by Hopper at all he's just very glad to be with her mm-hmm. it's like interesting because this season in particular they have two different love triangles and you know what I love a love triangle I'm a hoe <laughs> for a love triangle so I'm thrilled but they do them in such different ways and like neither of them really like that bad, you know, because like in yeah. a, a really um like classic love triangle is like the two men they are fighting like actively for the girl and she's sitting in the middle and she's like I don't know what to do or like opposite the um the guy is just standing in the middle doing nothing and the girls have cat fights around him or like yeah, whatever, right. you know what I mean? But like I mean we just talked about the whole Jim Bob and Joyce thing where it's Jim very, Bob Jim Bob and Joyce where that's very like healthy and chill and mature. 
And then with Jonathan and Nancy and Steve, Steve is the last person who's going to fight Jonathan over Nancy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He did that. He he already did that in season one and learned his lesson. Yeah, it's it. I like that they don't retread back over that. Yeah, I agree. Joyce is very serious about finding Hopper. Oh yeah, she's I mean, like yeah. very serious about it. First of all, it's a matter of life and death. But also, Jopper writes ye. Um, so they both jump in and leave the boys. I was gonna say upstairs, but <laughs> not really. <laughs> up on the top side. Up on Grand. the rooftop. Top side. <laughs> sure, yeah. Up on the rooftop. In the uh, in the upside right, and <laughs> I like that Bob. He fully doesn't hesitate going in. He no, follows her. He goes in, he's like, it's time for an adventure, let's go. I like that, he's like, I am not a very brave person, but I'm willing to do whatever will keep Joyce safe. And it's Absolutely. like, you know what, he is a very brave person. He, he is, is. He, and he shows that in uh, episode eight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she finds a cigarette. Do you guys think that when Hopper dropped it, he meant it for her to find him or for himself to make sure that he isn't going around in circles. I think it was to make sure he wasn't going around in circles yeah. because like he does yeah. he does end up realizing he's going in circles. Yeah. But I like that it ties all together that she finds it and mm-hmm. like knows that it's him. Yeah. So the lab shows up. How did they know where they were? Oh. Maybe like increased activity in the Well, maybe it's the cuz they it's, have radars like that. It appears to be a center point mm-hmm. for the underground vine compilation mm-hmm. anyway but vine compilation, vine compilation. <laughs> because like that spot is where there's like several different openings right mm-hmm. into like where all the vines go mm-hmm. so maybe maybe they also have a map similar to will yeah and they know that that's like a centralized location that can like i have a feeling owens know. might say Next ep- at the beginning of next episode. Yeah, I think we're going right. to answer our own question, yeah. like, soon. Okay. Yeah, so my next question was just, is this about the soil? Like, how could it have been, like, how could they have learned their location through the soil? And I don't think that they could no. have, but we shall, we shall see. So they cut Hopper free, and he and Bob are very nonchalant about it, which is just like men, which I think is very funny. He's like, what, you were in trouble? And he's like, no, it's chill, I was fine, actually. <laughs> he's like, sup, this isn't weird at all. <laughs> I, didn't just, I didn't just save you and emasculate you. What? Yeah, huh? No. What? It's fine. So then they get really scared by the lab people. And you know what? I would be too because they're terrifying. Like they turn around and there's just people in suits. Like that's scary. Yep. The last fun fact that I have from IMDb. When Hopper is rescued from the tunnels beneath pumpkin, beneath the pumpkin field, (laughs) he goes out of his way to pick up his hat despite the soldiers ushering him away. This is a nod to Indiana Jones from Indiana Jones and the (gasps) Temple of Doom. Yes. Who even in life-threatening situations never leaves his hat. He always has his hat on. Yeah. Um, so then they try to burn the stuff. Will feels the burn. <laughs> and then <laughs> um, and then it's just like, Noah is crazy. He does Someone, such a good job. Like, God. The fact that that kid doesn't have an Emmy is weird to me. Yeah. It's absolutely weird. Like, he's so talented. So that's all I've got. <clears throat> Same. Cool. I just have a lot of feelings about the way um, Joyce puts her hands on Hopper's face when they find him. Ah. Uh... And I wanted, to, I wanted to share that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. So now it's time for segments. My first segment is Good Guy Steve Alert. So, Good Guy Steve Alert, he tries to apologize to Nancy even though he's not the one who's in the wrong. <sighs> so true. And Good Guy Steve Alert, he can tell that Dustin needs him and so he goes with. Aw. Truly the beginning of Good Guy Steve. What a good guy. Yep. Oh my gosh, you guys. Ugh, next episode is my favorite. It's so good for Dustin and Steve. The amount of Good Guy Steve Alerts that there will be is going to be just astronomical. It is time. Yes. And my segment is how garbage you was Jonathan this app. Yeah, he was fine. Out of ten. Yeah, he was like two. Two. Yeah. He didn't irritate me as much. Next episode, it'll be the most. Okay. What's he do? Oh. Uh, yeah. 
I hate that episode. And my segment is, did you only, uh, you only hate the Nancy and Jonathan part? It's true. That yeah, episode, it's true. That episode, the rest of that episode so good. is really yeah, good. You're right. It slaps. My segment is, did Joyce and Hopper acknowledge their obvious past? Obvious? Sure. Okay. Anyway, yes, yes they do, uh, because Joyce spends the entire episode trying to save his life, and then uh, there's this great moment that I like to stare at the the gif of for, like, hours. Love it's it. great. And now it's time for our best line award. My best line award goes to um, Hopper and Bob for... Hey, Bob. Hey, Jim. <laughs> Just classic. And mine goes to Dustin for... I love when he swears. It, it his the mouth on that kid. I respect him so much. Mm-hmm. And mine goes to uh, Luke's Lucas and his dad for even when she's wrong. She's never wrong, son. Because, like, I just respect that man. That's like, you know? I feel like we, like, never see Lucas's dad again. And yeah. that guy has, like, three lines. But he, like, he delivers that one so well. Yep. He literally just, like, puts down the newspaper, gives him a look and goes, "She's, I'm. if you keep talking, I'm getting in trouble. <laughs> so please stop talking. <laughs> like, he, he's just toxic masculinity. Never heard of her. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> Like, it's just such a great moment, and uh, it's delightful. Yeah. Stan the Sinclair family for clear skin, to be honest. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you are so inclined, write us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey. It's just perpetually open, and uh, it's in the description. We'd love to hear some things that you like about the podcast or some things that you think we could work on. We love constructive criticism. But even if you don't want to write us a review, you can do those little stars. That would be fun. Just the stars. The stars, maybe? Just how about the stars? <laughs> Please, for a dollar, the stars. Yeah. If you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show too. We are currently covering the final season, so come join us over on that podcast. Yes, and we'll be doing the first three seasons, which we have not covered yet after that, and I am really excited about that. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too, sometimes too much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's really fun, and um, it's it's the junk food of television. Mm-hmm. Please check out our podcast. It's true. If you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show, too. Um, we have done the first two seasons. It is spoiler-free, and we also have guests over there, so if you're watching for the first time in quarantine, I assume quarantine is still happening at this time, um, you should check it out. Uh, and... Um, season three is starting within the week that this comes out, so I'm really excited about that. Okay, that's kind of crazy. For the record, Brittany is booing the fact that there is a pandemic, not the fact that we have to stay home to be safe. Yes. Yeah. Stay home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be safe. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Exactly. If you're a fan of Star Trek, we like to talk about that entire franchise. Um, we currently have a podcast covering all of season one of Picard. And we're looking to put more content on that feed because we like to talk about Star Trek. You can follow at The Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, mostly Twitter. Um, But I do post gifts of all of our favorite line awards on Tumblr. So please go support me over there. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash The Aficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it. And um, if you hit our $5 tier you get a discount on shopfelux.com, which is where Robin and I make stuff. Yeah, you can check out all of those links in the description. We would really appreciate it. We'll send you cool things and you will love them, I promise. She's right. 
the type of quality that we offer you. <laughs> you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Africania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. The next episode is episode 206. It's called The Spy. It's my favorite. I'm really excited. And that episode comes out on August 12th. Woohoo! I cannot believe we are already over half done the season. That means we're over half done the year, and That's I'm insane. messed up by oh. that. No, no, thank you. <laughs> it feels like we just did the last one. Yep. Yeah. Yikes. Yep. Well, 2020 has been eaten alive, so <laughs> this whole year is just gone. <laughs> okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye.